you guys think we should just go for it? Yeah, why not? Just run and jump like swans. Just three hundred? No, this is two ninety nine. Yeah. Oh, Oh, wow, two ninety nine. Oof, that would have been really embarrassing. I don't get it. This is Sparta. Three hundred. Oh, for the three hundredth episode, we should just read three hundred. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We yeah. Jenga, that was really good. Off the cuff, your best ideas come when you're just speaking. Yeah. Oh, I'm speaking a lot, Jeffrey. I know. We we could read it and we could watch it and and do like riff track jokes, um, oh. but audio. We could record our own <laughs> riff tracks to it and then allow people to sync it up to it. Yeah. That's a good idea. We're probably as good as those guys. I'll, I'll bet it'd be a big hit. We'd probably get famous. Those guys have big abs. <laughs> I don't have big abs. <laughs> Think he makes dirt? I'll bet he makes dirt. I bet he makes boot. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the pits. See, they're right at the pit. They push the hot gates. In. Yeah. Okay. Those are some hot gates. Ah. <laughs> Welcome to the Comics Please Presents a Perfectly Accessible Podcast, not episode 300. It's 299. Don't get excited. We were about to say that it was 300 and then we realized it was not. Um, or we didn't think it was and then we got worried maybe it was. Either way, it's a comic book podcast from the Pacific Northwest Cradle of Creativity, Bellingham, Washington, hosted by the people who run the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington. I'm one of them. I'm Jeff. I'm another one. I'm Django. I'm I'm a I'm yet another one. I'm Roman. Roman. And uh, every week we like to be, read a bunch of comics and then come together and talk about them. When you get old, you have to facilitate ways of having friendships. And they're oftentimes <laughs> product oriented for me, which is what this is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that we are friends. Wow, Django, you are off. So I'm going to need you to get back on while I play this voicemail that Will sent us. OK, it's just a, it's just it's just Internet. is making you not funny and awkward (laughs) sorry what was that i can't hear you i was trying to i'm trying to get inside your head what what did you say i didn't i'm really i I can't hear what do you and so some anxiety man i can't i feel like i'm overlapping you but maybe you're he's taking my bit (laughs) okay i'm gonna start this hello and happy episode 299 one more episode guys I, I got to imagine you're actually at 300 because there's there's probably, you know, miscount somewhere or a, at least one or two lost episodes out there. So maybe this is happy episode 303. Um, <laughs> you know, I was trying to think of a question and I've been running around town all day and I got Olivia in the back seat of the car right now. So I asked Hi, her Olivia. for a question and I'm going to lob that in your direction. Um, she wants to know who is your favorite superhero and what do you think their favorite animal is mm. turn up <laughs> love you guys awesome and hopefully this is a less potato quality voicemail love you <laughs> potato we love okay him. that was right. a less that was a less potato no it pota- sounded gorgeous yes and i can't believe that olivia didn't say hello to us throughout the whole thing that was, um it was more like a plantain oh it was a little bit more like a plantain not chips that i like <sighs> Django, you ready to come out of your shell now yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Jeff. You can take me out of the penalty box. Do better is all. Okay. All right, everybody. Favorite animal or superhero, but what is their favorite animal? Gosh. Superhero. So I don't think I don't think I can fall back on my default the shadow, which no. is obviously scorpions, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. I don't know. He's dumb. I don't know him. He's derivative. I don't know. I mean, technically, yeah, he's a pulp hero, but you know, he has mystic powers. I'm going to okay. say my favorite superhero is Batman, just okay. as yeah. it probably is. Uh, and I think his favorite animal has to be Bat-Cow, right? Oh, which would be cow. Cow. Because <laughs> cow, plural, is cow. Kawaii. 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 <laughs> Very cute. It's either that um, or, or bats or maybe a dog. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Django doesn't like animals. He doesn't like to think about it. <laughs> um, 
my I'm gonna you know because I'm hard pressed to choose a favorite superhero between like two or three of them. Jingle smelling is here, yeah. so I am going to choose Spider Man, and I'm gonna say that I bet his favorite is ferrets, tigers, tigers. He's a tiger. Oh, I get it. That was good. Django, there he is, everybody. I'm back, baby. Yay. <laughs> um, Spider-Man, Peter Parker. No, I bet Peter Parker's favorite animal is a turtle. I bet. Mm. I like turtles. turtles. He likes turtles. He's probably got a little turtle in a tank. Uh, they don't take a lot to upkeep, which is, I think, what Peter Parker needs, right? Yep. Like, you don't need to take them for walks, um, cleaning their cage a lot. Like, you just kind of get a thing that's going to clean that tank for you, and I like that. Yeah. Peter Parker, turtles. Roman? I- Boy, it is. Yeah, it's like being asked, what, what is your favorite film? It depends on, you know, so many variables. Depends on how horny um, I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to say the Hulk, because I always loved the Hulk since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say his favorite animals, a nice fuzzy bunny. As you say, oh. something that he can't accidentally kill would be ideal. Yeah. Like pet rock. <laughs> yeah, <but> that's so <laughs> fun. He would like the, the Hulk, like when he's it's like... <clears throat> not raging and he's all gentle and childlike he'd be, he'd be just have one finger and be like oh nice bunny soft bunny or maybe uh maybe he really likes a yeti him and sasquatch have fought bill forgetty the yeti well that is yeah. a great that is a great question though because like so many like captain america you know his favorite animal is a golden lab you know that or, or <laughs> an know. eagle no that's you know. peacemaker that's peacemaker <laughs> that's peacemaker wolverines is a badger it's got to be. You know? <laughs> okay. It's interesting how many I was, you know, wanting to make the like so many of them have animals in their name. What was going to say? No, we can't make the animal the animal, you know, <laughs> but none of us did except for Django a little bit. I mean, Batman's favorite animal has to be a bat. Right? Well, I think he's yeah. very much like you and that he doesn't like animals. Oh, he just. Well, what about Ace? Yeah, he likes animals. Ace is around. You and when he was, cow. And when he was a kid, according to Christopher Nolan movies, those bats scared the hell out of him. Yeah. They traumatized him. He probably so, doesn't like bats that much. He's a brave and superstitious lot. Oh. Yeah. He hangs out in that cave just to face his fear of bats. We're going to talk about a handful of comic books this week. But one thing <laughs> that I want to address early is that it was a kind of a normal size week of comics. But I only brought home like six comics from like my normal polls this week. I had to dig for a couple extra to throw in this reading stack. Roman, I'm curious, did you read a lot of comics this week or was it pretty slight for you as well? Because you're kind of the arbiter of all comics. I am. Well, you read most of them. Um, I had a good stack. Were they good? Did you like them? He's looking around for something. This is that good audio. I read yeah. <laughs> I read 16 comics and yeah there's 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 a handful of good ones in there. Okay. Okay. But yeah, hear, less than my usual. I hear Roman walking around the comic shop when we're closed and he doesn't know I'm there mm-hmm. talking to himself constantly. But when we're recording and he's looking at, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's true he does talk to himself a lot. He credited it to being an only child, so he had to talk to himself and entertain himself a lot. Where's when he was that young. fucking monkey yeah. puzzle? Where's that fucking monkey puzzle? <laughs> okay, well, uh, and even though I didn't have a huge stack, stack this week, I was telling Django that I have at least three books that are nine or above score-wise. So, not having told any of you what those are, where do you guys want to start this wheel go round? I'm not sure I have any nines, so I think we should start on one of your three nines. Okay, okay. Unless Roman's got a better idea. Well, can I, I, that can I, sounds good to me. Can I spoil some stuff for you guys then and talk about a book that we haven't been talking about? I don't think anyone's reading, but it's going to be a spoilers. Please. Sure. Okay, everybody, there were going to be spoilers for Immortal X-Men number 10. Roman, are you reading this? Oh, sweet. I read that. Okay. I haven't been reading this series except for every couple of issues. Kind of like I am doing with the Marvel uh, X-Men universe right now. This one's written by Kieran Gillen with art by somebody me- kind of mediocre. Wernick. Um Art is my biggest complaint about this issue, but I'm excited to talk to Roman about this. But Django, Django, Django. This whole issue is mostly a monologue of Charles Xavier over a bunch of stuff. Like Mr. Sinister has been super creepy. He's like been cloning Moira's and then like creating time loops with them by backing them up at different times and living lives and killing her. And she's been trying to kill. He's been trying to kill the quiet council and like failing. Anyway, they catch wind of that and Like, uh, like primer. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, and then they grab him and they send him down to the whole pit in Krakow. And all that's kind of happening in the background. And you get uh, Charles Xavier kind of talking about his moral ambiguity, but how like in all this stuff of like 
man, you know, during the wars with the nuclear bombs, he's like, it was, I could have made anybody push those buttons and kill anybody. But actually what I did is I planted a block in every human's brain. So if any of them ever did try to send a nuclear, wouldn't actually be able to, and it would continue down the chain. But all this kind of weird stuff is morally ambiguous. He's talking about, but he kind of sums the whole thing up by saying like, ultimately, like I'm not a great guy, but you all are just lucky that I'm the one that has these powers and not somebody who's, a worse guy than me because he's uh, neutral because he's neutral and because he has a mirror which means he can be willing to look in it but when he says that at the final page and it says um i have a mirror he it, we see his reflection in a mirror and it takes the helmet off and he's got a sinister diamond in his forehead oh how long has charles <laughs> xavier been a sinister guy is, is that, that the first like- time he's taken his helmet off since hickman it's not technically there have been moments when he did take it off, but I okay. don't know if they're trying to just pretend that didn't happen. If you remember in like the first three issues or so of X-Force when the whole thing started, Professor Xavier got assassinated. Right. And then, right like right. Jean Grey backed him up and he had his helmet off at that point. Okay. Um, But they be, could be trying to just like not talk about that. I don't know. I love or it the could idea. have happened shortly after. Right? Yeah. But I love the idea that he's been a sinister person for a long time. So cool. While the art was not that great to me, I really liked the issue. Roman, what did you think? I I really liked it too. See, I thought he would just, because in this issue, he crawls out of one of the eggs. He's resurrected and he doesn't, well, you don't know if he has a diamond because there's egg goop all over his head. But you would think the other ex people would have said, hey, how come there's a diamond on your forehead, Charles? (laughs) So I thought it was just like, oh, this is a very recent occurrence, but that'd be even cooler if it's been for a while. Yeah, you're right. There is a scene that looks like he's coming out of an egg. Yeah, all three of them. There's a but that's Exodus in this and... issue. So then, like, when? Yeah. So maybe he can make the diamond disappear. I don't know. There's I don't know. And, questions. And maybe that's a flashback too. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But I. But overall, I really did like this. At first, I was confused over whose inner monologue we were hearing. I agree. But uh, I loved it when, kind of toward the end of the issue, when Charles is talking about how I'm. You know, thank God that me and eric magneto each got our powers and because because he says you know if if eric had had my abilities at a certain time in his life when he was you know really a a bad guy you know there'd be no humans left right or if i had had eric's powers you know i don't know if i could have you know did this and this and this i thought those were really good points and i like the fact that they're exploring something with charles because i feel like it's been a little too long that Professor X is just written off as being, hey, he's just a manipulative asshole. And there's there's no depth to him. Well, I'm glad to see an issue with some depth. Yeah. And him. I like that he's not trying to either say he is or isn't. They're just really exploring that space more than anything, you know? And he, yeah. you know, like, yeah, uh, they're not saying he is a good guy. It would have been easy to sort of like be like, no, he's actually a really good guy. Or like, no, he's a bad guy. But here they add depth to his character and explain things and his understanding of it. He ultimately says, like, I like the world to not trust me because that forces me to be accountable because people are looking at me suspiciously. And I was like, well, that's really smart, too. Yeah. And I think in that on that same page, maybe that same part of that speech, the world not to trust me. um, And he says something about, you know, making himself a martyr for the the bigger cause, the amorphous dream. And I like that, too, because, you know, it it harkens back to what, you know, the whole thing about. Professor X being Martin Luther King and an analog for Martin Luther King and Eric Magneto being an analog for, for um, Malcolm X. Um, And this harkens back to that, but goes deeper with it. He's going to have to stop resurrecting himself if he wants to be a real martyr. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah. And I think that it's, (laughs) he's such an important part of the X-Men mythology as well, but he has been kind of relegated to being a side character for quite a while now. And there is such a journey between the way he was represented in the original X-Men stuff by Santa Jack versus where he is now, you know? So um, I think there's lots of room to explore that stuff, but I, I gave, I gave that one a nine. Nice. Yeah. I would, I'd give it, boy, I give it a nine too. I think it, I mean, it, it was a nice surprise. Is that a nine also or a 9.2 Roman? Ah, uh-huh, nine also. Okay. Good. good. And I just read it because the cover was really good. And I haven't been reading this series. So that's the instance of a good cover existing. Yeah, I I read it because I've I think I've read all the issues of this so far and I usually enjoy it. Yeah, the Moira stuff sounds really interesting, even though I haven't been tracking all of it. Though I agree with you, the art doesn't do anything for me. It's just not special by any means. It's like a. Yeah, Judd Winnick, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Was that a joke? Judd Winnick is a. Yeah. 
Lucas yeah. Warnick. Like, Warnick. Warnick. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's just a, like a watered down version of kind of the Pepe Larraz, uh RB Silva stuff that happened with House and Powers. Uh, Django, take me there. I want to go there. Take me there. Let's go there. Take me to that great place with wonders and wishes. The place of uh, Batman, One oh. Bad Day, Bane, number one by Joshua Williamson, Howard Porter, and Timu Mori. Yeah, that was one bad day, wasn't it? That was one bad day. Dude, actually, I don't know what would be the one bad day in this issue. Roman, did you read this one? I did not. Really? I didn't. <laughs> I kind of forgot to grab one. It's got a great wrestling sequence that starts. Really? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Django, I'm surprised that I was mostly just trying to get Roman looped in. I can't believe he didn't read this long comic that we all read. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he didn't, too. I guess this, um, is, this is Roman's When you one say bad day. when you're kind of surprised, too, do you mean you were kind of surprised point two or you were kind of surprised also. Um, also, also hoisted in his own petard. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so this follows Bane and a secret story about Batman and Bane teaming up that we didn't know until now. And we get to see a follow-up to the Venom storyline from Legends of the Dark Knight, which is where Bane's Venom c- cocktail came from. And uh, I liked big parts of it. And I thought there were some really um short-sighted story things that they did with this also did you say joshua Uh, williamson wrote this tell me joshua williamson wrote this without telling me joshua williamson wrote this um but the art was amazing the wrestling scenes were great there's like what is this like a 12 a 16 panel grid on a couple of pages before a full page spread yeah there's some very cool paneling gorgeous and the colors are great too Um, yeah the art is phenomenal yeah i'm totally unimpressed with the new character that they came up with i think his name's grudge yeah um like cool bane as a big bad guy pumped up full of venom who's bigger and tougher than him um yeah i mean the story is venom or bane finds out that there's that venom is still being made and then we see through a series of flashbacks that for a while him and batman went on a secret mission to destroy every source of venom and uh and then one, when they when they finished destroying all the sources of Venom, they were going to have their final battle. So like temporary teammates and Batman was like, you can't even tell my family about this. And, um, I think I believe that. I think I believe that Batman would do that. I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting some sort of mixed emotions coming from you. Yeah, I have I have mixed emotions about it because I think this this does that thing where we take a really great villain and turn him into kind of a good guy like Venom from marvel mm-hmm. right like or he's wolverine, not or i guess or, he was a good guy yeah, wolverine yeah. was always kind of a yeah. good guy but we just have right. a kind of a trend uh, harley quinn we have, and and even the joker right now is the, is a very serious protagonist of a story that's making him sympathetic in that matt rosenberg story i don't love that because then we just have a bunch of buddies dressed up like weirdos running around and sometimes fighting and sometimes not um and this sort of neutralizes Bane. Batman seems to get over uh, Bane having killed his butler and best friend and father pretty quickly. And it, I, I have a hard time believing that Batman wouldn't just be like, no, fuck you. I'm actually going to go kill all the Venom um, production plants with my friends that I actually like who didn't kill my father. So so before I even talk about necessarily the, this strict issue itself, I, like the execution of it I think is interesting because it takes place in indeterminate amount of time in the future right but not super far right i mean long enough that he had had this team up with batman and batman has been presumed dead for a long time or a while Mm -hmm. so it's and he seems pretty old himself here It's, it's it seems like it's relatively far in the future which i think is weird i guess i wish that with these one bad day things there was more of a focused mission statement that they were all doing like the riddler one's incredible i really liked the previous one like the two face one, um, I liked this issue a lot. Yeah, but it it seems to differ from what the other ones were doing. And instead of telling an origin about the character or showing me a key moment in their development or something, it's like a future that may or may not ever be visited again. Right, which is fine. But it just in terms of what this story is doing. But yeah, then it also <laughs> does a kind of makes him kind of sympathetic, which. I like that these stories have mostly been highlighting the very bad, you know, kind of one bad day, what made them this way or what exemplifies how evil they are. 
So for this whole issue, like he never uses Venom once. And the whole right. time I was hoping he was going to and wanted to see that. See his um, fall. Yeah, I wanted to see that. And I just I love Bane as a bad guy. Basically, like you're saying this one is, you know, it's he's kind of sympathetic. It's a cool story in his future, but I would have preferred like a dark story about his origin or him when he's being his most bad. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that said, I I love like Roman. He's just been kind of like whittling away his days doing like um, wrestling in South America as himself wrestling people that are like that will be dressed up as Batman being Batman and they'll be like wrestling and it's like very awesome. And like it, it's told so well in this because like you think he kind of like breaks at one point and then he like grabs the guy and he's like doing all these flashbacks with him finding batman and fighting this and then he like snaps and breaks the dude's back and everyone's like cheering and the dude's on the floor like i can't feel my legs and then the next page is like you realize that even that was a work and the dude is actually fine yeah. um but it was told in such a way that like you knew that they knew wrestling because the reader yeah. thought that the performance was real and wasn't and i really liked that Literal comic book kayfabe. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And again, Howard Porter, his art, while a little inconsistent in this, I really like it. But yeah, there are some pretty blase things like the grudge character or, you know, the Dude, sympathetic nature of Bane. There's a page with 54 panels on it. Yeah, it's pretty great. Which is awesome. Yeah. Like that's how you that's how you write a fight scene. <laughs> Reminded me of that page from Pax Romana. Pax yeah. Americana. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Like and the page where like Bane rips the dude's jaw off by the so beard. Good. So good. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I liked the art a lot. I did like the story a lot, but my complaints about it are, are more that like I would, this seems more like a Bane issue or a Bane miniseries or something. And doesn't mm -hmm. seem like it's capitalizing on what I perceived the mission statement of this one bad day maxi series type things is so yeah which i don't blame the issue for being that i just blame maybe editorial for dictating what it was what do you uh give it i gave it a nine django i liked it a lot i give it an eight i liked pulled it a lot through. also pulled me through the whole way and it was a big boy these one bad day issues have been thick yeah but i haven't been like no not a unable to one. get through any of them like i don't think i've even done any of them in two sittings They're, they've all been pretty solid i mean solid enough to read i mean comics are great i love comics it's like, yeah, they're like 60 pages. So they're like three yeah. issues worth of material there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one was good. Hey, Roman, what's something you uh, read this week that you want to talk about? Bring to the table. You well, know, we could make these lists beforehand, but I kind of like being surprised. We could. By that, I mean, um, quite like. Well, Nightwing was awesome. The Wasp was awesome. Um, guys, read either one of those. Oh, I know you read Nightwing. I read both of those. Oh, sweet. Well, those are both great. The Which end. one? Uh, no, 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 no. This is your chance <laughs> to assert your corner of this triangle you are one very important part of it making a certain authoritative decision about what we're going to bear talk about. your teeth bear. I, set myself like I can't do bang <laughs> that was an insane attempt at bang it sounded like <laughs> i can't assault my bang it was like a bob like a false i know doing a little bit i know i wanted to do earlier i wanted to do, do a you um... feel and charge <laughs> yeah do that because the, the joke i wanted to do earlier was a, a reference that the mission was called the bane and the bold but i couldn't do oh, the bane voice really my good. name's bane i'm making dirt <laughs> my name's bane i was raised in the dark <laughs> oh bane oh bane hey Django, did you uh, like the wasp number one didn't read it and you uh, don't and read nightwing i don't read nightwing but i i only didn't read Wasp because I forgot to take it home. Oh. I intended to read it. Yeah. But you guys should tell me about it. Oh, okay. Janet well, Van Dyne. I'm a big fan. I read The Wasp because I remembered how much Roman liked that series, The Unforgettable Wasp. Mm -hmm. I, forget, uh, I forget that yeah. was her name. Unstoppable? The Unstoppable Wasp. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, which was unforgettable. And um, yeah, I just remembered the fondness from reading. I read a, more of that series than I would have thought. So I picked this up. Um, having only read the first issue of the Ant-Man one that preceded it, although I love that they're doing a similar cover thing with both of those series. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, Roman, uh, do you tell me about this? Did you like this? I did like this. Al Ewing, um, who's who's always one of our one of our favorite writers on here. Um, and it was good. It had a real classic kind of uh, 
Silver Age feel to it, but they, you know, Janet Van Dyne and is going to have her daughter, the Unstoppable Wasp, in here too. And it really got into Janet's character in this issue, um, <clears throat> including in her origin, kind of showing, I had forgot about this, her dad, she got into superheroing because her dad was murdered by a some kind of alien cosmic being. And that's what led her to... to like a legume? Like a legume, exactly. <laughs> it's a, be- a cosmic bean! <laughs> I am bean! <laughs> Do you feel in charge? <laughs> I was born in the pressure cooker. <laughs> I'm making dirt. <laughs> I was born in the dirt. <laughs> um, uh, and that, and that's how she met Hank and got and it was to avenge her dad's death that she became the wasp. Um, and also started, I didn't know this part. I mean, started um, being kind of happy-go-lucky and flirty with other Avengers and stuff because she was trying to not seem like the kind of snooty, stuck-up rich girl that she kind of was in those early issues when she first met Hank Pym. So I thought that was a good, just it was just nice, nice little note there to why she was like that. That she wasn't just actually really a ditz back then. Right. <laughs> I I liked the art pretty well, even though it was kind of unremarkable. It was just kind of simple and good cartooning. Um, almost a little bit like um a less airbrushy Greg Smallwood or something. Um yeah. but I thought the art served it pretty well. I loved the bit with like her and Jarvis. That was a wonderful time. Yeah, yeah. She actually called him by his first name, which I was yeah. like, whoa, that's right. He has a first name. <laughs> and it was just well-written Jarvis. Uh, yeah. More than Janet, I like spending time with her, her daughter, uh, which hmm. doesn't yeah. surprise me because I had liked her in The Unstoppable Wasp and I was kind of more familiar with her than Janet. But I, I like Janet in here as well. And I have a real fondness for the villain Whirlwind. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's such a great, doofy-looking villain. <laughs> I love his character design. I think partially because, like, when I was very young, there was like a Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo Avengers game, and he was like a base character you would encounter <laughs> early on or something, but he made an impression early on for me. So I actually always like when he shows up, but he is so unremarkable that it's it's fun. I like the twist at the end, you know, that the, the big gelatinous bean is mind controlling some people. So it seems like it's a good story for her because it's wrapping in that key portion of her origin. The thing that, you know, got her dad is still around and she gets to face it. So... Uh, seems like a good full circle kind of four issue miniseries. I didn't think it was Al Ewing's best work. It feel, felt a little like, hey, we need to write a Wasp series. Anyone want to do it? And I was like, I could probably do that. And there's like, but they, but not that it's not great, but just that, I mean, they put a lot of exposition in this book. I think he does do a good job of like balancing the amount of information and backstory and exposition they're putting through here. So I, I, maybe it's just more that there's a lot of that in this issue. But it does have that kind of silver agey thing, like you're saying, of kind of like, oh, yeah, my daughter-in-law. Well, I, you know, my stepdaughter, I got it because she did this when she set up that school for the, you know, girl. For yeah. It was like, OK, you know, like it didn't have a lot of the trappings of uh, what I picture Al Ewing have, being like. Mm. Yeah, what, yeah, it definitely wasn't. Well, other than the, the villain whose name I actually think is Cosmos, but with a K. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, it's, but other than that, it didn't have any of his big like cosmic sci-fi elements and yeah oh, has he been of... around in the past like he's come back and stuff oh the the that the outer space being yeah 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 he's been around before i think he was an early ant-man villain oh ant-man of the wasp villain i guess um and yeah there's a lot of exposition in this though he did it well he bounced it out well um even even mentioning that whirlwind is a long time wasp villain because he used to stalk her um right this, they have a long history <laughs> i'd like the exposition there like I, I it gave me a lot of stuff i needed yeah yeah it's interesting the whirlwind and another one of those like 60s 70s minor villains gladiator they both have like gladiator has smaller like saw blades rolling around yeah, on his arms but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just good helmets and arm weapons and nothing else <laughs> yeah hmm. um well what, what'd you give it roman what did i give it i gave this a good solid eight Nice. I gave it a 7.5, so pretty close. Yeah. Django, please take us to a book that you read, though. A book I read? Yeah. Like a comic book that I read? Yeah, let's talk about the sad one that you've been reading. <clears throat> well, I didn't get very far into that. Oh, okay. Gosh. We'll talk about it um, another time. Well, we could talk about it near the end, but I don't want to... I don't want to talk, ha- talk about right. half a comic in the middle of the, fucking, the podcast. Yeah, come on, what are we here? How much yours? Um, <laughs> I kind of want to spoil Batman Fortress number eight for everybody. 
Did you read yeah, that? Yeah, bust some spoilers out. Bust some spoilers I, out. Yeah, I read it. So this is the last issue uh, from Gary Witta and Derek Robertson, and uh, the colorist is Rodriguez. I don't know his first name, um, but it, uh, Diego Rodriguez. This is the last issue of this series that I have been enthralled with the whole time. Or you have since, loved maybe this since issue book. two. Issue two, I think, is when I was like, "Holy shit, this is this is something kind of special." Um, and the the story has been like these aliens came to Earth to find Superman and hold him accountable for his family's crimes. Uh, and it's set outside of the main continuity. And what we learn in this book is that Superman's family was like, like responsible for all these war crimes on other planets. And we finally found Superman who'd hidden himself at the bottom of the Mariana Trench in his Fortress of Solitude that he had moved in order to hide from these guys because he figured they would go away if they couldn't find him. And Batman and, and his friends find him. And these guys, like, spoiler alert for the whole series, skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want to hear this. But um, I just thought it, it wrapped up really well. Superman says, yeah, I guess I guess you guys are right. My family did do that. And I don't like it. But if you're going to destroy Earth or hold me accountable, what if instead of um, killing me, we use this device to remove like rearrange my genetic code which will depower him and also make him not of the house of l anymore and the big reveal in the end is that after they do that he gives batman his powers and um you know usually an elseworld story will start with the high concept of what does the world look like if batman is uh powered like superman and this one gives us the whole lead up to that which i thought was a really interesting way to do it and the path to get there has been just super fun um, because they they kill a main supporting character really early on in the series you knew that nobody was safe through this whole thing and they might actually kill superman by the end so um i highly highly recommend it i would give this issue a nine and i would give the series also a nine so roman oh. read it but his internet crapped out and he's restarting right now Wow, that's crazy. I was just looking down and refreshing with Nightwing while you were talking about that because I already got a rundown from you about it because I was pretty excited to hear your thoughts on it. And I looked mm -hmm. up and Roman was gone. Um, yeah. I did think that you were talking kind of uncomfortably, though. So um, if you need to get back to the penalty box for a minute or something. Um, but we could talk about something that just the two of us read. I like I'm... the penalty box. Jeff. Django, then do better. Well, what else is kind of in your stack that I want? Because I, uh, I want to hear uh, some of the stuff you got there because I don't think we have a tremendous amount of overlap this week because I did read a fair amount of Marvel. Well, but I do see you've got a little pun pun coming there. I did. I did read pun pun today. Um, and I mean, I did oh, read fuck, the... Fuck pun pun. Talk about... I'm sure Roman read that. Talk about... Well, what about Nightclub? You're reading both of those. You got Art Brute yeah. in there because you're rereading that because we read it as the Electric Sublime. And what was the other one? There was another one I'm interested in. Uh, old Dog. Old dog. How is that going? How's Declan treating everybody? Declan's treating everybody as confusingly as the first three issues. So is this four? Um, nope. This is three. As confusingly as the first two issues. We'll oh, just fix okay. that in post. It's probably fine. Yeah. Um, probably fine. Like the, the, the characters are kind of coming together pretty well. We can tell what's going on. The action is amazing. The spy intrigue stuff is pretty solid. But there's something going on with this character where sometimes he appears younger than he is. And we don't really know if it's part of like a government program or if he's flashing back or time displaced or what. Um, and I have a feeling, I kind of get this feeling from with uh, Time Before Time also, which is another Declan Shalvey joint. And what, that's 20 some issues in and I read I every single issue. I'm stunned at how it. far in that book is. It's excellent. It's an excellent comic that every single issue for me kind of has to stand on its own because I forget what's happening between issues. Or even know what that book is about. It's about far flung time travel and the diseases you get from doing it in shitty equipment. And oh, that sounds pretty cool. And like warring gangs across centuries. So uh, he's writing that one and not illustrating it, but old dog, he is writing and illustrating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's really good, man. This um, is like old man crime book, right? Uh, old man spy book. Okay. Yeah. So like if, if uh, Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible was old, uh, they've got a few gadgets and, and he's now he's teamed up with his daughter. 
going on an adventure and, you know, kind of doing the stuff that he's not supposed to do. He doesn't, he knows he's going to get in trouble by with his superiors when, in, when they find out what he does in this issue. But he's like, nah, fuck it. I had to do it. Kind of blows um, my mind that he seems as uh, competent as a storyteller as he is considering he just started, you know, as an artist. Yeah. Uh, as far as we knew, it reminds me of a conversation we were having with Will in the store recently where he was talking about, you know, writers transitioning to art or, or art rather vice versa artists transitioning to writing and you know unless they come out of the gate as a competent storyteller like a jeff lemire or a, the moon mm-hmm. brothers or something like that um they can be they can have a harder time doing it but it seems like he's just seamlessly gone into it he's yeah he's really good he's also swinging really big like i don't know that this comic actually works yet and i'm i'm mostly reading it to find out if things start to make sense there's there's enough in here that i feel uh lost almost like he's trying to do something that doesn't work in comic books very well mm. and he's <laughs> he's got the balls to do it and uh the fact that time I'm, before I'm time is in its 20s kind of blows my mind though because yeah. like, there's not a ton of image comics that have made it that far that aren't hugely celebrated yeah and it's just so. kind of chugging away it's coming out every month and it's yeah it's good it's sad like you you get emotions even if you forgot what happened last issue like i do every single time because i read too many comics and it only comes out once a month but you're pretending you have emotions (laughs) well you know i was in the penalty box i don't want to go back hey before roman comes back i just want to send a call out to all of our listeners have you been to the movie theater lately have you seen the motion picture babylon (laughs) <laughs> Probably not, because not many people have. It's not doing super well at the box office, uh, and it's ending its cinematic run. However, and I have not seen it, it's the most excited about a movie out of the movie theater I've seen Django be in a hot minute or two. Mm-hmm. And he's seen it two times. And if you're listening and you've seen it or are about to see it, you should let us know what you think. Send a shout out. Just make sure Roman and Django and I all know that Django's not alone on that tiny Babylonian island of his. I, I liked it so much. I saw a three hour movie two times in the span of like four days and would have gone a third time if I wasn't booked up the next afternoon when it sh- had its last showing. Somehow, Some and this is this is weird, but it occurred to me both times I watched it. There's something about that movie, which is just about the end of uh, silent films and their transition, like the actors and directors transition into talkies. There's something about the way the film is made that makes me think of Mad Max Fury mm-hmm. Road, which is mm-hmm. hands down one of my favorite action movies ever made. It's one of your yeah. favorite movies ever made, period. It is. It's up there with Raiders of the Lost Ark for me, but just like the relentless pacing and the the way the music works with it and i don't know it's it's nothing like that movie but there's some sort of kinship between the two of them i'm excited roman's about to be back i think his internet connection wasn't working he's also about to inherit a new computer from django that he's been kind of fighting for a little while because i have to learn about max but i think he's gonna dig it once he gets it the big thing is closing the window on the other side and i think he'll I think he'll I, adapt. He's good. Yeah, he's real good. Well, I think he's going to get there. Roman's real smart, really quick, really sexual, virile young man. Could not and he's be back, more happy. Still wearing his robe. I love Hi. it. Hey, robe man, how's it going? Great. You know, I really wanted to talk to you guys about Batman Fortress. It's the final issue. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit of that Stadler human coming your way, and I love it. I'm here for it. We we talked about that, Roman. Does, do you have a score for it? Um, I'd give it a I'd give it an eight. Favorite bit? Uh, favorite bit? Well, let's see. Um, I think my favorite bit was. Hmm. I like when, actually my favorite. Uh, Derek did or whatever Nart, whatever that chip bunk did. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Is it chip the chip bunk? I don't know. Yeah, actually, not. my favorite bit is the very is the very end because it ends with like basically that Elseworld story where what if Batman um, was Superman? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was one of the things I liked about it. It's the it's final the other side, awesome. the other side of the Elseworlds books, the DC ones. That's the only Elseworlds book. What did you give it, Django? I give it a nine, and I think I give the whole series a nine. Cool. Yeah. I tell you what, guys, I think Nightwing one hundred was one of the most perfect number anniversary issues of a comic I've read in a God long time because it. Marvel. It always like makes an anthology. Even DC will make like a it's Detective 1000. Here's a bunch of short stories that are not related to the story <laughs> that you've been reading by a bunch of people. And some of them you might care about, but most of them you probably don't. Yeah. Yeah. That was what bugged me about Lazarus Planet yeah. this week. But yeah, Nightwing, well, not Nightwing. Nightwing was did it make you cry? Made me cry. 
almost made me cry. Uh, it was incredibly He's getting strange. more and more closed off, Roman. I, I am. I am catching it from me. I I almost tried to get Django to read this <laughs> issue because there's some just great Dick Bruce stuff that happens that you don't need to be reading everything to enjoy. Um, it's just fantastic character work between those two characters written yeah. by Tom Taylor. He writes the whole thing. It does do that little bit of kind of like artistic shakeup. If I'm not mistaken, Roman, are a bunch of these artists, people who've done Nightwing in the past. I mean, like, I guess I know Eddie Burrows yeah. did the Nightwing thing. Um Mikhail Jannon's in here, who of course was doing Batman Forever. Yeah, Scott McDaniel, Rick yeah. Leonardi, Javier Fernandez. Uh, yeah, I think Mikhail, yeah, Jannon. Oh, you said Mikhail Jannon, yeah. Yeah, I think those guys have all done Nightwing. So it's kind of fun that you kind of get throwbacks to different styles. You basically get this the beginning is Bruce and Dick at Alfred's grave, and then it flashes back to this big battle that we've been building up to for a while in the series. And the whole battle sequence kind of jumps between different Nightwing artists in a good way, you know, in, in the way that like the battle needed to happen and was part of the story. I would have loved if the entire issue was drawn by Bruno Redondo. Obviously, it wasn't. I think 18 of the total yeah. pages were, and it's a pretty big book. So it's all the important stuff Bruno does, and the other stuff's fine looking. But, um, Roman, do you want to talk to do you want to talk to Django about the stuff that made you cry and what lit led up to it and stuff? Because it's pretty great. <laughs> well, you know, well, well, of course, you know, what made me cry is when when Beast Boy changes into a big green elephant and bashes heads with Elephant Man. And that was awesome. Sounds Eddie like Barrels a Hulk scene. <laughs> yep, it was basically the Hulk scene. And, and I don't even remember this Elephant Man character. He's cool. OK, so <laughs> the Trinity in the form of Superman and Wonder Woman ask nightwing to lead the justice league not only join the justice league oh, yeah, to be the thing. leader no. of the justice league because they're all gonna step back man that's big it's big i was like oh they're gonna ask him to be a part of the justice league that's big has he never been in the justice league and they're like no bro we need you to run the justice league does it reference uh crisis on in uh, yeah it does. final the, final the, whatever that comic was the, it just the one that just came out yeah they're like what you did during that and like there's kind of world cleanup going on. This kind of like takes mm-hmm. place in the fall. There's a great shot by Redondo of kind of the reconstruction of the Hall of Justice nice. um, after the battle. But Roman, what did ma- what made you cry though? The scene with between Bruce and and right after that, the scene between Dick and Bruce standing at Alfred's grave. Um, like you said, just great characterization. Bruce, like you know, admitting the things that he usually doesn't admit that. You know how how just basically how good he thinks Dick is and the ways that he failed, um, failed Dick Grayson and just when he says I'm sorry I failed you and the look on on Dick's face and then you turn the page and he's just a big old body hug on Bruce and <laughs> and it's just so touching and and he's yeah and he and Dick's telling him how you know you didn't fail anybody and all this great stuff but he ends it with another hug and saying I love you Dad. And I was like, wow, have we ever seen her dick call Bruce dad before? And That's they foreshadowed awesome. <laughs> it so well because at some point Bruce says refers to him as son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that way that like it's kind of ambiguous, right? He adopted him. They're they're or think and like their son, it's his son. He raised him and everything, but also son is colloquially used. He's like, listen, son. And then to have him return it as dad is is great. So do we know? Yeah, and especially gonna... and okay. Oh, and also just because Bruce is, you know, artistically the artist still draws Bruce as being real awkward at receiving these hugs. Yeah. And and Dick is just so naturally like, like big old bear hug. But you can tell even from Dick's body language there, because this artist is a talent, you can tell that like, it's not a common thing. Like Dick is doing it as a response. Like he's almost in tears by the need to do it. So I love how much body language is conveyed in that. And it speaks to how talented Bruno Redondo is. Yeah, definitely. So I do wish, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of fun having, Hey, Django, could you stop cutting my guy off, please? I'm trying, but I think we got a lag problem here. <laughs> a lag problem? That's kind of car, isn't it? Like a jag? Um, there's a, and it was kind of fun having different Nightwing artists, but I do wish that Redondo had done the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going 9.5 only because some of the film art is a little janky. It's a little, like, 90s chunky. You know, it distracted a little bit. I do like that they kept it all to one scene. You know, like just this battle, which yeah. I feel like they've gotten better at doing with comics lately, where like if they need multiple artists, they divide the scenes up really well rather than having artists change in you know, single scenes. But 9.5. Yeah, there was one page. Well, after you turned the page where the Batman issue 131 big advertisement is, mm-hmm. 
then there's a couple like three or four pages that's different artists drawing different nightwing costumes and at first I th- my action was like oh no they're not gonna do this but then it, but they actually did it well and it led into it made sense it led into the battle i had the same what thought too. i have- was like how long are they gonna do just glory yeah. shots by different artists and i was like only five pages sweet <laughs> yeah yeah thank goodness Jango, what were you going to ask or say or interject or whatever? Well, first we need a score from you. Oh, from what? Um, mm-hmm. God, I'd give this at least a 9.5. I, I heard an at least there. It'd be a definitely 10 if it, it hadn't had some of the janky 90s artists. <laughs> that is exactly. It would be a 10 if it was all a tighter package, but it's, it's your a shit together, DC. great issue. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask if dick is has been invited to be the leader of the justice league are we going to see tom taylor writing justice league comic have they announced anything like that do we have a lag before the next justice league series is the nightwing book going to suffer with dick being spread out i was thinking the exact same thing i was like okay this book is probably selling really well we love it at our store i only hear good things about it is the reason that we can't have great long runs at this point, because based on short-sighted success, they're like, we got to get into a bigger book. We could sell so many number ones of Tom Teller, right? In justice league at this point. And, and so they stopped, you know, like I hope, I hope that he tries to do both. If he does, I would not mind at all. If he stopped writing son of bat or son of Superman and mm-hmm. just transitioned to a justice league book. And this one, or if like Dark Knights of Steel came to an end or Deceased is done, like maybe he can spread himself correctly. But um, I do not want Nightwing to end and I, I don't want it to suffer either. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll uh, do a Justice League number one. And the first thing that happens is it it starts one year from now and they blip Nightwing into, the, into a pocket dimension and they can have an adventure that doesn't impact the main series. Mm, I'll take it. All right, boys. Hey, Roman, did you did you read... Um... The Punisher with Django. Did you guys read that together? Oh, dang it. I forgot to No, because we didn't have any issues left. By dang, we did of... not even talk about Punisher because I was like, no, Roman surely read that one while you were gone. I was like, let's hold off on that. But you're back and you didn't read it. No, <laughs> no. Did, I, I, I think I was supposed to get Django's issue when he was done, but I forgot to come down and get it. <laughs> well, I've got it right here, Roman. And uh, Ooh. it gives us Ooh. some really good cameos of a team of our favorite superheroes getting ready to deal with the Punisher problem. Hey, Django, when you say that, do you think it's supposed to be the Illuminati? Mm, no, I think it's just a bunch of okay. people that happen to get together. It's okay. It's when like you said Wolverine, our, Moon Knight, yeah. Doctor Strange. When you said a team of yeah. one of our favorite teams, I was like, oh, is he saying it's Illuminati also? Because I looked at this. I was like, this seems like an Illuminati thing, but it's not mm. the actual right cast. But okay, <laughs> yeah, I like think it's the same page. I think it's just people who have had good, good arguments with the Punisher in the past. Yeah, they yeah. also do a really cool thing where they set us up to make it seem like the story they're telling us is that um, Frank Castle's family was killed by the hand. And then they go back on that within a couple of pages. And yep. I appreciated that. I thought that was a really good move on their part. Yeah. Um, Cause I was reading it. I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, God damn it. This sucks. And then they're like, no, we can't do that. Like, Oh, thank God. I wasn't like going to say it sucked, but I was like, that would be a pretty big retcon. Yeah. Um, and I was glad that they didn't. Yeah. And I thought um, it was, this is like, I keep forgetting this is Jason Aaron and it's yeah. Jason Aaron doing Punisher, mm-hmm. you know, which he has done and he's good at uh, he's real good at some of his best stuff. So yeah, this is great. I think that Punisher Max series that isn't really in print these days is my favorite Punisher story even up against all the Garth Ennis stuff, which was wonderful as well. Uh, Jeff, what would you give this one? We're not done with it yet. Oh, we're not done with it. What else we got? Well, I mean, (laughs) I think it was, I mean, this was a good fucking comic, dude. It's good. The whole thing is like the monologue. That's kind of the narrative device of the whole thing is his wife. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about kind of working on falling back in love with him after he came back from the war. And, Mm -hmm there's this amazing bit where she kind of mentions that like there were some nights where like before he would come home or when he was asleep or something, I would sneak out of the house and go down to the local bar where war veterans would hang out. And I would just kind of hide or be secretive to listen to war veterans talk. And if they got real drunk or if the night got real late, kind of like how, when people start talking about the boogeyman or something, they would start talking about Frank castle. Yeah. And she was talking about trying to negotiate in her mind, the person that she knew 
and who these stories are all about and if it's the same person and then like she kind of says that like and when i was hearing about what an incredible like monster he was i should have been more afraid of him and wanting to get further away from him than ever but it you know she never in that moment never loved her husband more um because he was born to fall in love with the war but he had chosen me it's the narration is awesome and it speaks to their like fucked up relationship this is clearly like you know the final well i guess it feels like the final issue of in the a big arc but i'm looking at it it's nine so it doesn't divide evenly by five or six so yeah it's, it's just it's very climactic halfway. yeah it's it's it really feels like a a big moment in this series like everything's leading up to this um that and he aries, takes over uh, for aries yeah he kills aries and then aries's eyes replace his eyes yeah it's, yeah wild shit wild and good and then again the jesus saez art mixed with the greg's uh or the paul as a set of art is so great because i love both of them but one has got that kind of digital gradient effect to it and the other is like a almost a greg smallwood kind of like chunky watercolory um type of digital thing and it's very different it makes me so happy when it changes to the other so this uh, yeah i gave it a i gave it an 8.5 but right when we started talking about it i was like nope this is a nine and i had to readjust my score i'm also going to give it a nine yeah after after talking about it i probably would have given an eight before but you're right this is high level craft and i am always kind of like am i still reading this book and then i get into it and i'm like oh my god it's so good yeah Yeah. all right so roman Roman, you're gonna love it yeah you're gonna love it when i bring this copy back all those surprises for you it 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 sounds it sounds like I will yeah. yeah yeah sounds like I will uh Roman where do you want to take us to next you cute and, little pepper boy you pepper bottom you, you uh, bird well, boy bird bird pepper boy you little pepper I could bottom. mention the fourth fourth and final issue of the new champion of Shazam oh which yeah. I don't really have a lot to say about it was but it was another it was another fun issue you know the arts by Doc Shaner so that's always great I read um, two and three. In fact, he's got some great pan. Yeah, he's, and he's got some great panels in here where her, where she's. I love it when they take the the Marvel family characters and there's a and do like where they're in they're in darkness, they're in blackness, and you know, which it doesn't happen very often, but every now and then their lightning bolt lights up and and kind of bat, kind of lights her face only partially from below, and and it's just cool. But you know, she fights a bunch of out super alligators in this, and they wrap things up and and. Dr. Savannah's daughter shows up as the villain and we haven't seen her in a long time. And Doc Shaner, I mean, it's great. He draws her like a normal looking human being, but still enough facially looks like Savannah, but not in the cartoon Georgiana human being. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cause in the older appearances, she was crock pot (laughs) raised by the legumes. (laughs) Um, she looks believable. Uh, and there's a great laser resolution to all that and everything. But you know what I've been wanting all along for this series is to end it where they call her Mary Marvel again, because I always have a fondness for that goofy name um, from the golden age. But they're not they're still not calling her that. Now she's oh. just called Shazam. <laughs> is the bunny doing all right? Yeah, the bunny's okay. They make it. In fact, it ends with her and the bunny like flying off to go rescue Billy because Billy appears in like this weird vision, and there's two other like shazams in shadows and maybe one's black adam but maybe not because it's got a weird freaky ripped up uh scary looking cape so you don't know oh, that's it's all just shadow. the rock after the internet got done with him a few weeks ago mm-hmm. yeah she's gone out to fight the rock out. roman it's interesting to me what books you're like oh i could talk about this or that um because i read a book this week because it was kind of a small week like i said and I was like, well, I bet Roman read this. And I read it and I was like, holy crap, this is one of the big answers to a question I've been wanting for quite a while in the Marvel Universe. And they give us this. And um, you haven't mentioned it yet. Did you oh read Avengers Forever number 13? I did. Well, I'm wondering what question is. I'm looking for my copy. We learned who Avenger Prime is. This has been seeded for over a year. Oh, yeah. Did yeah, that start and, you know, it's timeless? funny. It, the first time or yeah, or like whatever uh, it was called, something like that, like Marvel Avengers disassembled or something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it whatever was the first it was. Timeless. It's funny, yeah. too, because because, yeah, on this issue, like the page before they revealed it, I suddenly realized, oh, why didn't I realize before who it is? 
it That's was <laughs> a little anticlimactic, although I do think it's perfect given it's very yeah. kind of honor of the entire legacy. But I was like, oh, this sounds like a story that was created like a year and a half ago. And this character was even more popular than they are now. Who is it? Django. Yeah, but who do you think they're going to be super popular yeah. again. No, it's Loki. Who? Who? I spoiled it. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have the Avengers. Yeah, because you wouldn't have the Avengers without Loki. I mean, he's the one they formed to find. Yeah. So the idea that he is this timeless Avenger at the end of time, guarding all this stuff, like, I I like it. It's good. It it pays deference to the whole thing. I would have liked it to have been a little bit more, like, deep payoff or something. But no, it's just, like, it's just a character that, like, I've never quite loved as much as everybody else loves the character in the cinematic universe. Do you think they expect it to have season two out by now? And around talk, this we time. just have to reveal this but roman the aaron cooter art is so good in this series it is when uh the doom oh, planet geez, there's a panel toward the end when what yeah the, the doom taking over ego and there's another one with doom right before the loki reveal that's uh who is it, it it's black pan i forgot they call him star panther and old man phoenix trying yeah. to attack doom and he's in a, a sorceress bubble and it's just a beautiful panel the colors are gorgeous yeah it's Aaron Cooter's art is amazing. He's like as close to Frank quietly as anybody gets, you know? So obviously I love that. He's like Frank quietly, but is a little bit thicker ink line, which I really like. Yeah. Oh, I just noticed Loki has the eye of Agamotto on his forehead there at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah Loki. It's spelled L O K I of Agamotto. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. And, and actually all the panels with um, Thor's granddaughters and oh, their that was ship, a fun. Yeah, and their ship is being pulled by just oh. hundreds of Mjolnirs from different different universes. All of the and Mjolnirs the- from dead Thors across the multiverse, Django, are pulling the ship of the Thor's granddaughters because Jason Aaron created those characters also in Thor. Awesome. Yeah, and the hammers, I mean, the, all, every shot of all these this multitude of hammers looks great. And all the hammers are different. I mean, you can yep. just stare at this and they're all different. They're all different. <laughs> every single one of them Very is different cool. from the other. I love it. And even, um, and even the, the what they do with the hammers, because they just uh, they cut loose the hammers and the hammers just fall like like bombs onto all the Mephistos, wiping them out. <laughs> Rad. I uh, I gave it a seven point five. The art's incredible. It's very much like chapter five of 12, though. You know, like it's very I just dropped in. I haven't read since chapter one. You know, like that big one shot that happened. So, like, I, I'm sure it's more resonant to other folks who've been following all of it. But I was able to dig it, although there's a lot of characters I don't know. But um, 7.5. Yeah, I gave it I gave it an 8. Oh, there's, I just flipped to the gorgeous uh, cooter drawing of Mangog. Oh, oh, so I just cool. drew, looked at the giant cooter drawing of all the different hammers. And those cooter hammers are nice. They're so can't much take, fun to look yeah. at. I can't take you guys seriously saying that name so many times. Yeah. Uh, Django. Cooter. <laughs> listen since we talked about the big ones um get us out of here on that note of what you've been up to the last couple of days i read it's lonely at the center of the earth is that what you're talking about yeah okay i read it's lonely that like i'm about halfway through it's lonely at the center of the earth an autobiographic novel by zoe thorogood and this is truly amazing so far um She's telling it in a very scattered stream of consciousness way. Her um, anxiety and depression shows through, but doesn't reach out and get you, if that makes sense. Um, And it's definitely not the kind of book I would have expected to pick up and enjoy, but I've heard so many good things about it. I grabbed it this week because it's kind of a slow week for other books that I'm reading. And I like it in a similar way to the way I like my favorite thing is Monsters, which is another book that is just kind of a biography told in a non-standard way, but like definitely through comic booking, but not through comic booking that you normally think of. Uh, have you read this, Roman? No. No. Oh, it's, uh, Roman, I think you need to read. I haven't read it yet, but it, that screams Roman to me. Yeah, I think you would really like it too, Jeff. There's there's a lot I'd of... I plan to, yeah. There's just a lot of really good stuff in here. The, the way she's messing around with art and the just kind of the frankness that she talks about some of this stuff is is pretty great um and her art is just so so good um she even does some cool stuff where she's talking about working on those issues of rain that Mm -hmm. she drew and uh in the panels she has copies of those pages real small on her drawing board 
just very inventive storytelling. Um, I'm only halfway through, but I'm going to give it a nine and a half already. Already. I didn't notice any of their influence, but I do like them a lot. (laughs) Good one. Comic humor. (laughs) Django and I are going to go meet the cartoonist K-Fabe guys in a couple weeks. Yeah, pretty, pretty excited about that. Yeah, me too. I don't really like meeting people, but it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll just ask them for some tips on how to start a podcast. Yeah, I don't think that they get that all the time. <laughs> That'll be a great way to make them like us. <laughs> hey, if you guys have any tips on how to make the cartoons kayfabe guys like us, send us them uh, next week for our podcast for 300. Uh, you can send those to me at jeff at com or just text me the audio memo like Will does. Jeff at com. Probably the best way to do it, though. Um, Django. What? I love you, bud. Oh, I love you too, buddy. Wow, that felt weird to hear. Yeah, I'm trying to make you feel weird. You did good. That was both gratifying <laughs> and uh, discerning, or no, uh, off putting. Both, both warm, heartwarming, and off putting. Gotcha. <laughs> I, man, my next move is going to either be to go for a walk and try to close my Apple rings or mm-hmm. to put on my smoking jacket so I look more like Roman. Mm, my next move is to just spend another evening trying not to go buy that guitar online. You could take, you could get rid of a lot of stress in your life if you just bought that guitar, buddy. I know. A lot of stress. You can you can buy deal guitar. with the one out part buy of your guitar. one in, one out um, when it comes in. Yeah, I just need to get rid of a little bit of musical equipment first. But I, one day it will be mine. The witch will be mine. I don't know if you uh, saw the thing that I texted you, but while we were podcasting just now, my brother sent me a bunch of links to places that we can order gross Michelle bananas no i didn't get like mystery banana boxes banana variety box shipped straight from banana farms in miami it's important for you to remember that i don't have the same affinity for bennett no i do love you don't yeah i just don't have the same fascination with them dude (laughs) fucking bananas we're gonna get some weird bananas we're gonna feast on them as long as they've got tang to them i don't like a ripe nanner we'll see we'll see i'll eat them all though i don't like to say no to an eating opportunity I think these banana boxes come with enough bananas that we can try them unripe and ripe and overripe, which is probably the whole thing to do. Wow, that's a crazy thing. Well, hey, listen, everybody, <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out with us and letting us just wander around when we talk about kind of a thin week of comics. Uh, next week, I can tell you there's some good DC stuff. I've already grabbed a copy of One Bad Day Catwoman. Can't wait to see about that. Got human target number 11 on the radar. We got Detective Comics. So exciting stuff down that way. I was born in the banana box. I was raised in the crocker. <laughs> I was cooked in the crocker. My outer skin came out in the crocker. <laughs> we legumes were born. Yeah, so anyway. Um, all right. <clears throat> Anything you want to say, Roman, before we go? You're kind of the star of the show. Um, no, I don't think so. Not not really. I, I, I'm looking for the next week's question from Will always do you know what it is already of course. it's gonna it's gonna no but it's gonna be big it's gonna be big for our 300th yeah, or 304th episode good god 300 it might be our 307th as well we can do the thing that my brother my brother and me did with their like 400 of the show which they just oh no they did with 420 they just put it off indefinitely oh and went man right i didn't 421 i didn't know that i was going to suggest that after we uh, you have recording. suggested it before have and I? I told you that they did that well i don't really listen to either of us i guess yeah i can't remember if it was 250 or 200 (laughs) but no 200 was probably the live show ish i think we should do a 24-hour episode for 300 (laughs) but i'm gonna be in new orleans so you guys are on your own oh my god you're not here (laughs) next week or the next week wow okay we're just gonna record from the future (laughs) we're gonna record episodes 301 and 302 while you're gone and then when you get back we'll do 300 what do you think did it ralph i'm down to be lit I love Rewind it. it. All right. So we'll see you all next week for episode 301, the following week for 302. And then when Jenga gets back the following week, we'll be all 300 or maybe it'll be before 302. I don't know. Listen, I'm Jeff. I'm a mess. Yeah. I'm, I'm Roman. Yeah. I'm a mess too. I'm Django. I was wondering you guys. Oh, my favorite bit. I was wondering. What are you thinking about over there? You old fat ass. I, I, I thought of this when, uh, when you guys were talking about that, that wasp book. When you read comics by British writers, do you read any of the characters with a British accent? No, I don't read any characters with any voices. I just hear them all nope. as Jeff. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Me I too, don't read it with... They all yeah. sound like medium. Yeah. <laughs> Every single voice is Jeff. They don't have British accents unless it's maybe a, unless it's a British character. I, but the writer about doesn't this. affect that. Think about this. Watchmen 
was written in a British accent. Well, it was written as a, by a British person. Yeah. So when he oh, was yeah, imagining it, those characters, he's narrating them with a British accent. Well, with the British, the way the British people speak. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, a, but it, it's but not it an accent to them, Django. Yeah, it was a set in America. So <laughs> that's true. It was set in America, Django. Yeah, I think all the characters. I think all the characters are American. So I bet Adrian Veet has a uh, a uh, what's that? Um, the Roman just accent. totally threw your argument out of the water. It was amazing. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, just like it was written by a British guy, but they're all American characters in America. So like Django is wrong, 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 wrong. I don't think that Alan Moore thought in an American accent when he was writing those until he started writing down the things. Right. Did you watch that documentary about the hitchhiker that the the hatchet hitchhiker? No, not yet. It's good. No, you should watch it. I wonder we'll if writers. Week. Nope, never mind. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I guess, I guess, I never thought about that. I wonder if writers like hear their their native accent when they're writing characters. I never thought about that. They don't hear an accent. Well, no, they hear their no. own voice. Yeah, they, yeah, but they don't hear right. the character's got, accent. I remember being ten years old and Probably. being like, "Whoa, what do I sound like to British people? What do they sound like?" I remember being, like really young when I was like. Man, accents are only there is no British accent to a British person. There's only American accents. Right. Which means that Rorschach was written in Alan Moore's head with no accent. Right. And then he probably had to translate it to an American accent when he actually put it on the page, which just it's just weird to me. I, I well, do you think that he actually but, changed anything after putting it on the page? Well, but he was right. But he was writing the question, basically, who's a, a East Coast American. So when he yeah. hear that. Maybe I have a I I know a kid who was raised by a British guy. She's American, and she has British idioms in an American accent as part of her natural speech, which is super weird. And I'm surprised mm. we don't get more of that in comic books. And maybe that's like the strength of editors combined with the strength of the writers. Well, I think that we're just in a really fun area where everything we can say is like no this, no this, because like yeah, what? yeah, because like you know. What? Shit on me. <laughs> oh, well, shit on me. I was raised in the crop pot. <laughs> I'll see you next week. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs>